Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of Success in Finance. Joining me today is Ellie Worcester. She's a senior manager with Buzzacott LLP and she's going to talk us through the merits and the difficulties of joining um, practice as a school leaver, the merits of the ACCA versus the ACA and the contrast between working for a regional practice and a central London practice having done both. She's also going to talk us through the diversity of work operating in the business outsourcing team, the leadership responsibilities that she's had to develop as she's progressed to senior manager level, and the benefits of longevity, having spent six years at her first firm and now six years at Buzzacott LLP as well. I hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe and comment if you do enjoy it. Thanks. Hi Ali, thanks for joining me on today's episode of Success in Finance. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah, all good. Um, it's it's hot here, so uh, can't complain too much. It's it's not been so great the last few days. Um, so yeah, good to uh, have the sun back. But uh, yeah, do indeed. you just want to get us uh, started with a quick summary of your career? Yeah, sure. Uh, so started. Um straight from school through uh, CCW, uh, Crow Clark Whitehill. They were Horace Clark Whitehill at the time. Um, did all my training with them down in Kent and then have been at Buzzacott since 2014. So um, just over six years um, working in both instances at CCW and at Buzzacott. I've been in the sort of business services outsourcing team. So I've never touched any audit um, and every day is a little bit different, but um I enjoy it. It's a good mix between industry and uh, practice, I think, is the best way to describe my role. Good. Um, no, good to hear. And um, yeah, as a recruiter, I've sort of started to realise that that, um, that business outsourcing piece is actually quite helpful in making the transition into industry because you do do a lot of the um, sort of management account side and preparing the stats and things like that. But I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, okay. <laughs> So for now then, um, straight into work out of school, what was the reason for that? You, you didn't want to go to university or you just wanted to get stuck into your career? Uh, yeah, so when I was at school, universe, everybody went to university. It was kind of the done thing. So I didn't really think I'd do different. Um, but my A-levels were okay. They weren't as they were predicted though. So then the universities I'd applied to were sort of offering me things like um, accountancy with psychology and all sorts of mixed things. And I just thought, no, that's not for me. Um, So I stuck with my summer job, which was at Leeds Castle, which is like a tourist attraction down in Kent and um, moved over to their finance office and sort of did some like in the cash office, you know, counting hardcore cash that was coming in every day. And I also signed up to the local college and um, joined their AAT uh, course. So because I was under 19 at the time, it was just a free course I could join. And in doing that, realised that quite a lot of the other people on the course were sort of having day release from um, employment. And I never even knew that was a route, really. Um, I think don't think that many people were doing it back then. Like I said, university was kind of the, the go-to route. Um, so... I sent my CV out to all the kind of practice large, well, they're not particularly big down in Maidstone, but the practices that were had offices in the town I lived in and surrounding towns. And I was lucky enough that CCW were looking for someone. So that kind of led me in that way. I I was the first one they'd taken on in that route. Um, it wasn't a done thing back then, really. 
I say back then makes me sound ancient, doesn't it? But um, it, I was, they just happened to be looking for someone in their business services team and slotting quite nicely and the rest is history, really. One of the pioneers of the, the school leaver programme. Yeah, were... yeah. Well, we, we take quite a few on now um, at Buzzlecott. We take quite a few on in not just in our business services, but the audit team do as well. So I think it is becoming a lot more of the norm. Um, well, but yeah, I think I definitely was one of the first few, I think that's for sure. Yeah, well, I know by the time I started at BDO, there was, uh, yeah, lots of school leavers and they continue to take on a lot of school leavers. But I had, uh, well, a good friend of mine who was at BDO as well, um, was a few years ahead of me. He was sort of late to joining and they got him on sort of a, an AAT scheme initially as well because there was no school leaver programme in place. So it was probably a similar time to you. Um, the idea of it just started to come together and it works out well with some people and they've, they've sort of gone with it. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great route to take. Um, but again, we'll probably touch on that in a bit more detail um, later on. So... The ACCA then, as opposed to the ACA, did, yeah. was there any logic behind that choice or was it just that that's the qualification that your firm offered? Um, I I don't know if it's the same now, but um, ACA, you used to have to have a degree. So that wasn't an option for me. Um, ACCA also used to t- lead a little bit more to those in industry, I think. Um, definitely when I was doing all my studies, a lot of people were there from an industry role rather than practice. Um, and where I'm in that business services setup, it does probably lead a bit more towards um, the type of work I do. But uh, otherwise, it was AAT. You can either have, I think it was something like four levels. and But with AACCA, you've got those, the very first three papers can substitute instead of the AAT. AAT so that's just what CCW offered me at the time um I was so new to it I didn't probably know too much different but I think we off we put all our school leavers now onto ACCA so I think it just suits a little bit better in coming straight from school as well and I think back in the day there might have used to have been some differences between ACA and ACCA but I mean the the chap I sort of work alongside now and I'm completely equal to he's ACA and I'm ACCA and we're there's nothing between us. So I think in the long run, it makes very little difference. Yeah, I think, do you know what? I think you've just sort of solved the question that I've always sort of thought to myself. Of why do some of the smaller firms tend to go for the ACCA rather than the ACA? And I think it is what you've said about, because um, I know if, if you go through industry, it's, it's normally ACCA or SEMA. But I think in smaller firms you tend to do a lot more of the um accounts prep and maybe management accounts and things like that as well whereas in audit it is just audit um yeah so that probably makes sense you've you've answered a question that that i've had for a long time so thanks Um, (laughs) yeah but that definitely sounds um sensible and logical in terms of your decision so how did you find the exams then and uh, what were the challenges throughout? I, I guess coming out of school as well, um, you're probably not as prepared for juggling work and exams as you, as you might be coming out of uni. I don't know. No, I don't think I was. Um, so of ACCA, you have um, nine initial papers, foundation level. 
I always remember, I think I got something like 87% on my first paper. And I remember my manager at the time being like, you know, you don't have to do that well on every paper, right? But I think that was sort of, I did maths A-level. So I think that was very much a kind of can you add up type paper. But I found all the foundation ones okay. I think um, I was first time passes on them all. But once I got to the professional level, um, definitely some of those papers that are more focused on a lot of writing such as the audit ones and the closest one we have to the case study um i i've failed both of those first time passed them second time but for me it was just uh running out of time don't write quick enough with my handwriting so I, it was just a case of timing really and it always used to annoy me because i think you'd never have a client ring up and say we need this answer in three hours go. Well, that's what I thought. I obviously do have that occasionally, you know, with some urgent work. But yeah. I just used to annoy me that these exams had to be so time pressured because I felt like that was my only downfall in failing those two papers. But otherwise, they were OK. Um, it was definitely a juggle. But I lived at home when I was studying. So I had the joy of, you know, cook dinners, washing done for you. And I think that probably helped get me through. I didn't have some of the responsibilities that I know some of my juniors have now. Yeah, no, that certainly uh, would have helped, I think. Um, no, just thinking back to, to the school leavers that, that I've come across in my time, I find that they either end up being um, absolutely outstanding performers because they don't know anything other than work and, and you professional from day one. You, you take the challenges um, of sitting the exams from, from sort of 18 and, and just smash it. But then on the other hand, you've got those who maybe it's a bit too early to start in the, their career and it's a bit of a shock. They fail a couple of exams early on and then it doesn't work out. And there doesn't really seem to be a middle ground from what I've seen. Um, I don't know, looking at the school leavers that you've seen come into to CCW and Buzzacott since, if, if that resonates with you at all. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's the two extremes. You have the, especially where some of them start with AAT, um, some of them are coming out with like near on 100% marks. Um, but you'll always get to that level where a little bit more effort is needed and they don't quite give it in the first instance. And sometimes I think some of them have to have that first fail to realise, hold on, this is now a professional qualification. This isn't just, you know, my GCSEs, my A-levels. This is something I need to kind of get my head down. And also as well, bringing it into practice, I think helps as well. If they're, if they're doing it at college and then they get given the right type of work, that can sometimes help them kind of put it into practice and really see what it means. Um, and sometimes if they don't have the right type of work, sometimes that can hinder them a little bit as well. But yeah, there's usually that one fail before they realise they've got to get their head down a little bit more, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, just worth noting for listeners if, if you're looking to go into it straight out of school um probably worth just being honest with yourself are you actually ready for that step or w would it be worth going to uni and doing a bit of growing up and preparing yourself for a career first because I don't think I would have been ready for it at 18 um that's for sure so credit <laughs> to you Ellie <laughs> thanks um so then you did uh, you've done a qualification as well called the ilm can you tell me a bit more about that is that a sort of leadership thing yeah it's uh institute of leadership and management it's something buzzer got offer so um i didn't sort of go out and hunt hunt down a quali extra qualification to do but it's definitely a good one to have had um we had someone external come in and it's offered to anyone that's new to management. So people stepping into that sort of assistant manager, manager role. Um, 
it was good there were some aspects of it that definitely sort of help you see things from that sort of higher level point but I do think um I'm trying to think of my phrasing here I think some of the skills you need as a manager you've either got them or you haven't so some of the sort of people people skills the soft skills you know if you didn't have if if you're not that type of person I'm not sure a course could teach you that I do think it has to be inherent really yeah and I, I would agree with that I mean you do end up with managers um that probably aren't actually that good at managing just because they they do progress through the ranks anyway um from from a technical perspective um but I, I agree with you there that you sort of have the skills or you don't but doing something like that from a theoretical perspective did you pick things up that that you could then apply in your work um I think a couple um I'm not sure I could give specifics I think that you know there was a lot of talk about psychology and that that sort of side of management you know learning who you're managing and the right approach to it that way so the sort of it more explains things rather than teaches you how to deal with things. So you can sometimes then look at someone and think, ah, oh, that's why you're acting that way rather than, right, you're acting that way. This is what I have to do. So it's kind of a learning, learning your, your team, learning about your team and why they might act in certain ways. And then, you know, they, the course does go on to give you advice of how you could handle various situations. But I suppose that's the element. I think it's got to be in you to react that way anyway. So, yeah, um, and I, I did, I think, at a similar sort of level at BDA, as you're approaching that manager level, they did have some sort of internal courses. It wasn't an accredited um, sort of course, but what I got from that is, like you're saying on the psychology side, I love all that stuff, and I learned so much about myself, which I then thought um, this is really useful in... Um, working in a team context because you probably don't understand how others are perceiving you as much as yeah. you should so I would definitely advise anyone out there if you get an opportunity to do something like that definitely learn about yourself because you have a tendency to think you're perfect um when you're not <laughs> well I do anyway um <laughs> but yeah okay so moving on then Crow Clark Whitehill do you just want to yeah. talk me through your time there? I think you were there for six years and it was a mix of audit, tax, advisory, the business outsourcing as well. Or, or have you never done audit, actually, did you say? Um, I, no, not never properly. I think when I was very first joined, I joined them, or went out on like one or two audits, um, but nothing, you know, that was just to give me a bit of experience. I've never I've never sat in an audit team full time. So um, at Crow Clark Whitehill, it was... It was the same business services style that I'm doing now at Buzzercott, but we did sort of touch on bits of um, tax and VAT and it was all, it kind of was a slightly wider spectrum than I'm looking at now. But um, what, do you, what would you want to know something specific? I could uh, ramble about. <laughs> no, no, well, just the, the type of work. I know it's business okay. outsourcing, but just for the listener, what does that entail, really? Um, and what, were there elements of tax involved as well? Or basically trying to capture that smaller practice uh, environment and what what it involves on a day-to-day basis, really. Yeah. So um, I think the one of the things I gained from being 
in a local so Crow Clark Whitehill's a national firm I think it's I don't know something like number 10 in the listing or something like that but we were the they have local offices so I was down in the local office of this company um and in doing that we had a lot of local clients as well so um and obviously joining as a junior I was doing a lot of the inputting and the kind of day-to-day transactions so a lot of bookkeeping um, maintaining client records statutory accounts at the end of the year and some clients you'd handhold from you know month on month and others you'd just sort of go out every either six monthly or quarterly just to give to on site tended to be a lot more of a frequent thing um when i was working there so i'd drive out i'd sit with clients i'd sort of be their accountant for a day whether how often how frequently that would be it varied but it was you know different clients wanted different things i'm trying to stretch my memory back to it feels like a long time ago that's for sure but it was there was a lot of management accounts i personally dealt with the management accounts for a sort of a business turnaround company and um would even attend their agms and that, that was sort of six six grown men who were very high up in the business world going into companies sort of um they went in as as uh, non-exec directors to sort of turn around companies who were struggling and then i'd go along as a 19 20 year old young girl to sit at their agm and tell them about their finances so i definitely learned a lot but it was sort of throwing yourself into those companies for a day would often be kind of the style of the work yeah so i guess yeah that's really interesting because going in and being if you're doing the finances for those smaller companies you essentially are the the equivalent of the fd i know i know that smaller businesses so you're going into those meetings and representing the finance arm of of the business really which is great exposure yeah definitely and such a varied uh, different types of clients as well so there's the one i just mentioned about you know all these important businessmen management turnaround um but i'd go out especially being down in kent i did some grocers um like grocery companies you go out and sit on their farm i did some uh a concrete company where I'd go out and I'd always have to wear my worst work outfit is my memory because I'd come home and was like a shade of grey from all the cement and the stone and you know a lot more on site uh being their front you know being one of their team really of a large number of clients so it was really good exposure um got to see a lot um and it was never boring at all because you're almost in a different industry every day and that still applies now really a question I've got there then is being in audit, often you're you're on site at clients and they, they definitely don't want you there. But <laughs> in your instance, it sounds like you're adding quite a lot of value. Are you are people not wanting you there because you're sort of undermining them, or is it they're happy to have you in and getting all the numbers correct? Uh no, I think they were happy to have us there because often these clients don't have their own accounts team. So they might sort of have um, a one-man band to t- keep the invoices ticking along throughout the month and then you go along at the month end and make sense of it and then also sit with the directors at the end of the day and show them how they've done in the last month. So they'd always sort of welcome my presence. I had quite a few clients that I say came close with, but you know we weren't friends, but they definitely saw me as one of the team. And when I left Crow, I had quite a lot of you know generous clients who sort of, thinking i was almost leaving them as well really that's how they treated me anyway yeah no that's that's really uh good to hear then because 
yeah, I mean, audit whilst it develops your thick skin. It's, yeah, it's, you, you don't make too many friends doing it, so it's nice to hear that you sort of built a lot of sort of meaningful relationships as well. Yeah. So over, over those six years, then how did you progress? I know, obviously, the first at least three would have been just doing your qualifications and and learning your trade, but beyond that, was there much progression before you moved on? Or uh, yeah, so some that was natural um sort of through new people joining the team and I'd um train them up with things um and others were so the the BSG business services group uh was run by two managers that were close friends and after I qualified um I can't remember if I became a supervisor before or after this but they dropped a bombshell of the fact they were leaving and setting up by themselves um I always remember walking home from work that day and I think I could have been hit by a bus, to be honest, because um, I just never saw it coming. And they were all I knew in the working world, really. Um, So suddenly when they left, um, a a new manager, one of the audit managers got brought down to sort of manage the team. But suddenly there I was with just qualified, knowing all our clients the best, knowing all our systems the best. So I was kind of, uh, it was kind of a sink or swim moment, really. But um, I, like I said, I can't remember if I was already a supervisor, but I came a supervisor then and helped this new manager lead the team, really. So um, definitely thrown in the deep end, but um, did me the world of good, I think. Yeah, no, that sounds like great exposure. Um, those two guys didn't want to take you along with them then? No, well, they did say that, you know, because like I say, they were, they'd all I'd never known and they'd kind of brought me up in my accountancy world, really. Um, and they did say, you know, if, if they knew it would be a success and could afford to, they would have done. But um, at the time, it, they were just going off the two of them. And in fact, they have they have been in touch since to see if I wanted to join. But they uh, they work out in like the countryside of Kent, and I'm afraid London has my heart now. So <laughs> fair enough. So they have made a success of it, though. Uh, yeah, I, I, they've kind of parted ways and have gone in two different streams now. But they definitely did to start with. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, after six years at Crowcourt Whitehill, um, you decided to move on. Why was that? Just the right time in life, really. Um, I, I, so I didn't move straight to Buzzacott. I went travelling for a while, and I think those sort of opportunities only really come up once in a blue moon. Um, I was qualified. I didn't really have too much commitments at home. I had the money behind me from working for those six years, so it was just the right time in life to make that change, really. Um, if I hadn't had itchy feet and wanted to go travelling, whether I'd have stayed at Crow, I'm not sure. It might have been the right time to move on anyway, but it was the travelling that sort of made me leave Crow at that time. Yeah, no, it sounds like, a, like you say, it doesn't come up uh, no. once a year, those opportunities. There's, there's a couple of finite, opportunity, like definitive opportunities, um, think I've been fortunate to, to manage to get a bit of traveling done and I, I know I've spoken to other people previously who either have done it and they're so glad they did it or haven't had chance to do it and it's one of their biggest regrets so again something worth noting it's not necessarily professional advice but if you do get the opportunity to to go and do a bit of traveling and um, take it because you might regret it later and your career is always going to be there when you get back as long as you don't disappear for 10 years. Yeah, I don't think I could have um, gone straight from gone traveling straight from school and then come back. I think 
you know, I'm glad I got all my exams out of the way, got my profession, uh, got my qualification, did some more, a few more years and then went, you know, it was a good time to, I, I'm sure it's each their own, but I'm not sure how I'd have done of do, having that experience, then coming back and having to get my head in books for three years. That would have been quite tough. No, no, I, I wouldn't fancy that either. And I think <laughs> it sounds like the, the perfect time to do it. Um, so you got back from your travels and then Buzzacott beckoned. What was it that um, that appealed about Buzzacott to you? What exactly is it that they do? Um, and yeah, why did you choose them? So um, first thing was London. I think after um, having the experience of travelling to have come back and potentially worked in the same hometown I'd lived in my whole life, it would have felt very much a step backwards. So I definitely wanted to come up to London. So when I first got back, I sent my CV out and um, there were two main companies I interviewed with, um, but the Buzzacott feel was just right. You know, it's, they're, a, they're a big firm, but because they're, they're single office, you also have that kind of small firm feel as well. And the business services, it's not sort of present in exactly the same style in every firm. And I remember having my interview and they were sort of saying, oh, could you do this? Could you do this? And they were literally reeling off my, if I had, you know, my CTW job, it was exactly the same. So um, I knew I could confidently go into it and work my way up there. So it just felt like the the right place and exactly the right role I was after. Great. And what, what level was it that you went in at? Was that at manager level? Uh, no, assistant manager. Right. So um, I moved up to manager within 10 months, but I think they tend to take people on as assistant managers just to check, you know, you you can do your job before they get you to the, the proper manager level. Um, and luckily I managed to prove that quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's uncommon, is it? Moving from one practice to another, you're never going to get bumped up um, straight away. And often you do have to sort of prove yourself for for a bit of time before getting that promotion but 10 months is uh is relatively quick so like you say definitely complemented uh the skills that you had going into it so again what what are the differences working at a slightly larger firm then because ccw you're in the regional office um buzzacott it's sort of their one office um reasonably big and what were there sort of wider responsibilities? Is it a bit more corporate? Can you just tell me about those things? Um, so I think the main difference is the client base. So, you know, I'm not going to have the farmers and the, the concrete makers when I'm in the city. Um, also being that next step up as well, it was managing a team and where we've got um, juniors. So the team at CTW was sort of a bit of a mixture. Um, although people were coming in, and I was training them they weren't necessarily juniors studying so it was just being in that whole kind of uh I'm trying to think of the right word in like the the kind of formal setup with all the structures with training and the various levels and all the, the set teams you know very much like you had the tax team you had the speciality teams it just sort of means you can focus on what you do best and it's such a different mix of clients as well um definitely sort of a lot higher turnover I think I've experienced amongst my clients at Buzzacott yeah and um what what type of clients do you do a lot of work with or do you enjoy working with then <laughs> we um i don't really have a 
one type of client. Um, quite a lot of the guys in the team I work with, the other managers, they tend to have a, a speciality. So, you know, there's a, there's a chap who focuses on tech clients. There's others that focus on charities. Um, we always joke that I kind of get everything else. So <laughs> I often get left with the problem clients, but that's my favourite thing to deal with. I like un- uncovering what's gone wrong in the past and getting straight. So... Um, it's a real mixture I think I have got a list of my clients and you know very few industries crop up more than once or twice it's it's a really wide spectrum Um, I've got a a, an equestrian company I've got lots of I've got an artist um, lots of management consultants but in various different ways Um, a property comes up quite a bit Um, yeah a real real mixture okay Um, and Again, you've sort of had consecutive promotions at Buzzacott. I think you've been there six years as well now. Is that right? Yeah. You know, until you made like reference to that, I I hadn't realised I was in. I'd almost been at Buzzacott as long as I had it, been at Crow. So Crow was just short of the seven years. So I'm almost catching up with Buzzacott. But it feels like I was at Crow longer than I've been at Buzzacott. My time at Buzzacott has flown past. I don't know whether that's because of other things that you know moving to London moving house buying a property I don't know if it's things like that that sort of made life feel like it's gone a bit quicker I'm not sure but I've I hadn't even yeah I suppose it, it is the same length of time um but it definitely doesn't feel like it so I guess that shows I'll probably be around for a while yet yeah. I have me. Yeah. <laughs> on the promotion front then what sort of things have you done right just to keep moving up because you're senior manager now aren't you yeah um I think it's been as our team's grown. Um, obviously, like I said, I moved from assistant manager to manager relatively quickly. I think that was more just them checking, you know, I was the right fit and had the right skill set. Um, then uh, I've helped, so <laughs> it sounds like a reoccurring theme, just not long after I joined Buzzacott, two of the team that had been at, um, in the business services team there decided to leave as well. But they were both from... Um, I say up north I you know anything north of the M25 to me is up north but um they both decided to return home so suddenly again I was fairly new to the team and was suddenly one of the most experienced so um I've helped we've, we're now a team of 12 and I've helped recruit the entire team because everyone bar two of the the juniors were there when I joined so um I think it's just been you know i I lead the team and it's sort of my senior manager role, whereas others have sort of focus on like the software we use and bits like that. Mine is the the people element. So um, as the team's got wider, um, I guess I've just kind of found some seniority in that element to it. Yeah. And, And do you enjoy that sort of people side and the leadership side of things? Yeah, I think so. Definitely more than maybe some of the tech, uh, you know, people yeah. start talking about the the different systems they're working on there's definitely one guy in our team that you know would lead those conversations so yeah the recruiting the the team management making sure the team processes work yeah it's definitely the bit I enjoy the most yeah and how much of your time now does that take up because I know obviously as you get more senior you do take on these additional responsibilities but um they they become part of being on the sort of leadership team don't they so it it is Mm. your job description even though it's not sort of your day job yeah I would say probably just under 50% of my time oh wow that much Um, yeah definitely um 
I mean, some of that's I'm trying to think of it. Yeah, I, I'm trying to sort of think back to those lovely timesheets I have to fill in every week. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'd say a good 50% of it is um, definitely sort of team management, management meetings, organising the team, making sure everyone's got enough work, um, checking all our kind of work in progress and debtors and things like that. So, yeah, it does definitely my chargeable time has dropped since becoming a senior manager, but I suppose that's only to be expected. I'm too expensive to do some of the stuff now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, no, cool. That's, that sounds good. Um, and yeah, interesting to hear that it's that much of your time that you use up. Um, but again, two six year stints so far and counting. Um, mm. What what's been the benefit of, of having those uh, long tenures in your companies? Would you say? Um, I think it's getting to know everyone so well. So um, as you mentioned, Ozicott's the single office firm, so we are all under one roof, or we usually are when we're not in lockdown. Um, so you become a face and that's what I really like about Buzzcourt you've got the opportunities that you'd get at a larger firm but it has that small firm feel and sort of almost knowing everybody um I'd hate to be sort of a number really and I think the longer you're there the more you get to know people the more people know they can rely on you they come to you when they've got questions um and no day's the same I mentioned that earlier in our type of work no day is ever the same I can go into the office and I can think I know what I'm doing today and it never, ever happens. You know, something will always come up. And I think that's why it's hard to believe it's been six years, really, because time flies because, it, you know, there's no there's no routine at all. It's very um, keeps you on your toes, I think is the right phrase. Yeah. And I think that variety is definitely uh, appealing to, to some people. That's sort of what I liked about audit, although things can be repetitive you're at a different client um every few weeks and you're meeting different people all the time and working in different teams so i think variety is definitely good uh, one thing i meant to ask you um about the business outsourcing side as well obviously you do a lot of the management accounts and things like that and yeah you need to know your accounting from a management information perspective but then when it comes to doing the year-end accounts like you must have to be really strong technically as well especially with some of the clients that you work on I'd imagine yeah so my focus is um, small and medium-sized companies so they're all prepared under FRS 102 section 1a well a good 99% of them are so yeah I, I definitely have to know what should and shouldn't be disclosed in a those type of accounts you'll always get something where someone has something a bit out of the ordinary that you have to check up on. Um, and we have people at Buzzacott who are definitely sort of more technically minded and they're your go-tos when you've got something unordinary. But you do have to you do have to know your stuff. But I'd say as well that luckily a lot applies to a lot of clients. So you have to... I know my FRS 102 well. Um, and if things come out aside from that, sort of it tends to be a textbook job. But... Um, I'd like to think I, I know the bits I need to know for reviewing the stats and the management accounts uh, inside out, really. Yeah. And and again, just the benefit of being in an organisation like that is you, you, A, can go and look for the answer yourself um, and B, you're surrounded by people who, who have got the technical ability and you can draw upon those resources if required as well. 
Oh yeah, definitely. It's what, and because we're in that one office, you know, there's an internal set of stairs. So I'm literally a, a two, a two minute walk, if that, away from someone that will know the answer. It's just knowing who knows the answer, and that's the bit I guess that I like of being there, that bit longer. That you tend to know who'll know the answer, and you'll have had a conversation with them before, whether it be in a work sense or socially. So it's quite easy to sort of stroll up to their desk and ask for their help, um, and people do that to me. So it kind of swings both ways. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Not not even thought about that. Um, okay, so just before we wrap up then, Ellie, um, yeah. any regrets or advice that you would have given your younger self, knowing what you know now? Um, oof, no, sounds, sounds a bit big-headed, but no, not really. <laughs> I think um, knowing I've been able to get to this stage in my career without having gone to uni, I'm just glad I didn't take that route. Um, I haven't got the student debt. I haven't, you know, I'm 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 no further behind I am to any of my peers from not going. So I think it, I think if I'd gone to uni, that might have been what I'd said, but I didn't, so I'm okay. So, and I've moved to London. I think if I'd never moved to London, that would have been a regret as well. So, in terms of career-wise, I've definitely ticked off two of the big aspects. I'd say so no nothing jumps to mind whether I'd think about that while I'm eating my dinner and I'll come up with something but no um nothing instantly uh to regret what what are those two things that you have ticked off just to clarify so the uh making sure I've experienced London yeah um and not going to university I think that's what I mean Uh, if uh, I'd gone I'd wonder if I I'd have seen others that hadn't would I have regretted going so I know there's the the social side to it but in terms of career I don't regret that I didn't go at all no 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 definitely not and you said that you're not behind others that went to uni I would have thought you may even be ahead of them yeah I mean I think now probably equal but Definitely when I was the age of the graduates starting. So when I'd been at Crow for three years and you had the sort of 22, 21, 22 year olds joining, I was definitely ahead of them then. I think, as you know, with 10 years later, I've definitely balanced, balanced out. But I think the key is that I'm in no way behind. That's for sure. Yeah. OK. And then finally, three key attributes that have enabled you to be the success that you have been. um organized I'm definitely organized I think there's uh, a director in our team who always refers to our job as being spinning lots of plates at once and it's true you know I often have 20 things that I'm doing at once flicking between emails messages with the team clients and um I, I I everyone has their own way of keeping organized mine's a very colorful excel spreadsheet that moves up and down every day so um yeah, I do think I can. I'm quite anally organised. I think. <laughs> um, my other one, I think, is approachable. Um, quite a lot of people from other teams know me as their sort of go-to person, whether I'm the right person in our team. But I tend to be their first point of call in a lot of instances. Um, with sort of like the business services questions, and I like to think that's because they know I can stroll up to my desk, and even if I'm having the day from hell, they'll I'll I'll answer them and I'll greet them with a smile so I think that's probably another one um and then a true client a buzzercott one is client focus really so because we are there we are their finance person in a lot of cases they might not have their own finance team we are almost part of the client I do feel that you know I always want to make sure I've done my best for them um 
often to the point of incurring far too much time on a job but so some might say it's also detrimental but I do think that helps in getting the client the best they can best outcome they can and the best set of stats and management accounts looking as good as they can yeah now that there's uh, three really good ones um so organized and yeah definitely that resonates being from a practice background um approachable I think in all walks of life being approachable is uh, only going to help you and then that client focus as well um yeah I mean if you make your client the priority then that's always gonna gonna help you succeed isn't it so, yeah I think so thanks for those Ellie um look it's been great to hear about your career um and, and lots of insights there so it's been great to have you on thanks a lot thank you no problem thank you for having me cheers Ellie bye okay take care bye-bye So that was Ellie Worcester. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ellie's story about her career so far and how she went into accountancy straight out of school and the, the benefits of doing that, as well as how she's found staying in practice to such a senior level and taking on lots of leadership responsibilities that are now accountable for a large portion of her time. Um, so Ellie's three key attributes to success in finance to date are being organized um, in practice and specifically within business outsourcing you're constantly spinning plates you might have 20 or 30 things on the go at one time so you need to be organized being approachable um, it's not the first time someone said that to me it's it's always important again with your network um, and from a networking perspective to be nice to everyone and make sure that you're approachable no matter what day you're having and finally um, very corporate and on point um, on the client focus side of things obviously having multiple clients as Ellie does that's always a key to success so I hope you got a lot from this episode and if you enjoyed it don't forget to subscribe and share thanks <laughs>